as we just dive in, our president has asked for us to, uh, to have this as a national day of prayer, and I think it's awesome that we, uh, everybody has all their opinions about everything. I'm just glad we got a president that will call for prayer again. Amen. And uh, so thankful, thankful for that. And so I'm going to ask you to join us. And uh, just as an update, we're going to be partnering with uh, Convoy of Hope. And uh, next Sunday, if you'd like to bring a donation or, and, uh, or make a contribution towards uh, Hurricane Harvey, then uh, we're going to be sending that relief to Convoy of Hope. Here's what they've already done so far. They've served uh, nearly 43,000 victims in 17 communities. Uh, with 2.5 million pounds of food, water hygiene kits, and supplies, nearly 50 more semi-loads in the in the queue. There is no end in sight at this point for relief effort. Cities served are 17: Corpus Christi, Ingleside, um, Rockport, uh, Arnis Pass, Victoria, Sugarland, Refugio, uh, Beesville, Port Lavaca, Bloomington, Georgetown, Trivoli. Port O'Connor, Placido, uh, Guadalupe, Houston, and Baytown. Status are 42,390 individuals served volunteers, 1,177 volunteers, volunteer hours over 5,000 hours. 42 loads delivered, loads distributed, 27. Uh, pounds delivered to site, 2,595,000 pounds of relief uh, have gone. Uh, goods in kind, over $1,219,000 worth of goods. Uh, it cost $6,000 to send one truckload out, and uh, which has about $48,000 worth of goods. It costs $100 to provide uh, two families with emergency relief supplies for an entire week. And uh, so we will be, uh, were you able, was he able to load that up? Go ahead and play that if you like. It's difficult to describe the magnitude of the damage brought on by Hurricane Harvey. Thousands of people have lost their homes. Many more are living without power, without water. But thanks to the support of people like you, our Convoy of Hope response team was here in Texas before the storm made landfall. To date, we have distributed over $1 million worth of life-saving food, water, hygiene kits, and other supplies. We have dozens more trucks en route, and we are working with many churches and organizations. Already, tens of thousands of people have been served. Volunteers from area churches and businesses have spent countless hours sorting, packing, and passing out food and water. But in addition, they are dispensing hope. These volunteers have had the opportunity to pray for and encourage people of all ages, telling them the life-giving story of Jesus Christ. This is an opportunity for the local church to engage the culture, touching the lives of people in their very own community who might never enter the doors of the church. Our corporate partners from across the country have donated truckloads of products to be distributed to people in need. Your families, businesses, and churches have given financial resources that enable Convoy of Hope to bring hope to people and families who are suffering. Your gifts have already had a direct impact on the lives of more than 50,000 hurting people. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your compassion and your kindness. You are making a difference in the lives of the people of Texas. Convoy of Hope is an extension program through the Assemblies of God that we're 
part of, and uh, they just do an amazing job. And Eddie Rents is our local director in that, but uh, such an amazing job. They're set up, and even anytime there's a national disaster, they, they start dispatching trucks before it hits. So they, they, it's, it's an advanced team. It's not a follow-up team. They're advanced, or they're on the ground, ready to go. So such an amazing thing. Let's pray today, and then you can see how the Lord will lead you for next week. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. First and foremost, we pray for our president. We thank you for his leadership. We thank you for his courage to stand and to ask uh, for a national day of prayer that we would come together and pray for those that are in need. Lord, uh, nobody prepares for a disaster. Nobody prepares to lose everything in a moment or to have to replace everything that they've uh, built their life around and built their life doing. So, Father, there's businesses, there's homes, there's families, there's so much devastation covered by this. And, Lord, it's hard for us to even comprehend so lord we can offer today our prayer and our support and we can give as you lead us by your spirit father we want to be a part we thank you for convoy of hope we thank you for the resources we thank you for volunteers we thank you for the businesses and the corporations that are supporting this we thank you lord that 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 the church can become a bright light in this time of darkness and lord we can really shine forth and, and show truly your love and your grace and your compassion so father we pray for our leaders, we pray for all the undersecretaries and the, and the leaders of the institutions and organizations that are helping to disperse aid and assistance. We pray, Father, that any deception, any gouging, any, any improprieties that would try to slip in to take advantage of people in need would be exposed and dealt with, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you keep your hand upon those who are in need. We thank you for the many volunteers and people who are already serving. We thank you for the countless hours that are being accumulated in helping meet the necessities of others. So, Father, we pray your blessing over Texas. Pray your blessing over our country. Father, with all the unrest, all the divisiveness, all the trouble, Lord, we, we thank you. Your word says that you are the God who does all things well, and you turn things around for our good. So, Father, we don't know how it can happen. We don't know what you can do, and when complete loss is there, it's hard to see hope or light at the end of the tunnel, but you said you're the God of hope and the future. And Father, we pray for Texas and we speak hope and we speak a future over them today in Jesus' name. Father, we pray for the victims right here in our area in Butte County and the surrounding region where the fires have been. Lord, we have people right here at home that have lost their homes, that have lost their needs. And we speak hope and a future to them as well. I, it's hard for us, as I said, to comprehend a loss in a moment, an unexpected tragedy that suddenly comes upon us. But God, you can suddenly turn things around. You can make provision. You've done it time and time again. So, Father, we anticipate the testimonies of your goodness and your grace and your power. We pray for peace and we pray for reconciliation. We pray for healing and we pray for hope and recovery in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, thank you so much and excited uh, that we are here. How many are thankful you didn't move to Texas? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, if you have your Bibles, open up to uh, John chapter 12 and also open your Bibles up to Mark chapter 2. John chapter 12 and Mark chapter 2. And uh, I'm going to go a little quicker through this service. We have a little less time than we did in first service. I'm going to go a little quicker through the message this morning. And, uh, but uh, 
I'm excited for where the Lord is leading us and taking us. And as a church, we purpose this year to do a couple things. One is, is our exodus year and believing God for transition for us and what to do for the future, for our building, for our facilities. It's time for us to own our own facility, amen, and move forward in that direction. So we're praying in that area and God's leading. We thank you so much for your kindness and generosity in supporting that. But then also, just things that have been stirring to me over the last couple years, is the area of recalibrating our church. And this is our 28th year pastoring the church, and we've been here. And what happens is when you're at one place in a long time, how many have been married more than 10 years? Raise your hands. Okay. How many have found you have to make adjustments through marriage? I've been married more than 20 years. Okay, that's because you've made even more adjustments. <laughs> how many have been married over 30 years? Amen. How, how many could attest that adjustments never stop? <laughs> how many have been married over 40 years? Look. How many of you can attest that adjustments never stop? How many have been married over 50 years? One, two, three, four, five. Woo! Hallelujah. And the... Have the Jacks been married 60 years yet? 63 years? Woo! Anybody over 63 years? Anybody else over 60 years? Cecil, Cecil and, 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 and uh, Jerry. I got it. <laughs> My brain, I'm thinking in all different directions. Cecil and Jerry. 58 years? Woo! Hallelujah! 58 and 63. Glory to God. I'm only 20 years behind him. But I'm a young man. Hallelujah. I'll make it. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, but in that adjustment chain, but I'm saying that because we looked at it for our church and for me as a pastor. When you've been someplace for a long time, if you don't make adjustments, if you don't what they do call recalibrate or make changes, then you start settling into the status quo. And you plateau and you don't have new life. And so when you look at that as a church, many times what pastors do, they will transition, they'll change, they'll move on to another pastorate. Or else you can recalibrate where you're at. You can start over where you're at. One guy who wrote a book on this said, this is what you do. You fire yourself one day and walk in the next day like it's your first day on the job. <laughs> he said, he, he literally said this, either have the guts to leave or the courage to stay and start new. Amen. Because many times it's easier to leave and go someplace new and start with new people. And you're still going to deal with the same thing, but you're dealing with new people with no history. And so that sounds new, but it's not new. It's just a different location with the same problems. Could you say amen? Because if you don't change wherever you go, you are. And whatever you were doing wrong, you'll do there. You'll just do it with new people and it'll show up sooner in a new location. Amen. And so with that, you have to have the courage to change. So we started recalibrating, and I, I sent out a note to our, our preaching team, and I, I shared it like this. I was just praying about it. And so how, how do you illustrate that? Well, the other day, how many have ever had a root canal? Oh, yeah. Aren't they lovely? <laughs> Wonderful experience. Everybody should have one and uh, enjoy it. But a, a, a root canal is a recalibration of your tooth. And so what it does, there's a problem there, there's pain there, there, there's a problem there, and if you don't deal with it, the decay will eventually destroy the tooth. And you can try to anesthetize it, you can deal with it, you can try to ignore it any way you want, but if you don't recalibrate that tooth, you're going to end up completely losing the tooth. 
And so what you have to do, you go in, they have to drill, they have to take the nerve out, they have to fill it, and then they have to grind it down to a post, and then they're going to put a crown on it. And yeah, what you end up with, you end up with the core foundation, but you end up with a brand new tooth. Could I see? Amen? And so in a church, that's what we're after. So this year, we've been doing a recalibration where we're going back down. We want to get rid of anything that is keeping things from being a problem and restructure and recalibrate. And so we went back with our vision. You've heard us reiterating our vision that the goal and the vision of our church is to reach, raise, and release. That we're about the gospel, which is evangelism, discipleship, and ministry. And, and we're preaching that so it gets down on the inside of us. So people say, well, what is solid rock faith? are about all about we're about the gospel which is evangelism discipleship and ministry but anytime you introduce change it takes time to change how, how many have been saved more than 10 years how many are still making adjustments in your walk with God how many are still praying Lord I, I have room to grow Amen. And so in that we understand and change and then the things you pray about and you get how many get frustrated because you're not changing the way you want to change but so I'm saying that because change is a process. It is time, and we understand that. But in working in a group or working in a corporate environment, sometimes we, we get stressed, we get pressure to do whatever. But change is a process, and it takes time. It isn't going to happen. When the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, how many still have thoughts that you wonder why they're still showing up? So we go to that, and then there's old things, there's old behaviors that you regress back to and deal with. So in our life, it's so important that you understand that. So we've been ministering on this area of reaching, raising, releasing, and we, we want that to be ingrained into us. You're hearing us say it. Pastor Mike did a great job last week on preaching on the Great Commission, taking our theme and challenged us in, in, in taking the gospel to our world. My son Austin was here, preached on Zacch Zacchaeus and identity and looking for the people who are in the tree. Sean preached a great message on boundaries and the things that God places in our lives and, 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 and the things we need to protect ourselves from so we can be productive for God. Amen. And so we have all these things that God is doing in our life. I've been trying to encourage you to take the limits off of your faith, teaching you how to speak and declare your victory so God can use you because when we get free from our problems we're free to be used by God amen so this morning I want to take these next few moments and talk to you about who we will bring to him if I could put it to another way who will you bring to him and maybe the subtitle of this this morning is that seed matters seed matters if you're going to have a harvest you're going to have to have some seed in the ground the only way to have a harvest is to have seed in the ground. So seed matters. John chapter 12, verse 24, Jesus says this, Unless a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain or much fruit. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Father, I thank you in these next few moments. You will give me clarity of speech. You will give us all clarity of understanding with eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. And so, unless a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. So look at the cover of your outline as we go through this. And uh, so the question is, who will we bring to him? And that's a question we must all ask ourselves. 
And this last week, in, in preparing and just doing my own personal devotion, reading through the Gospel of Mark again, these thoughts kept coming out to me and tying in and, and really to express how, how do we challenge ourselves in the first phase of the Gospel, which is evangelism. How do we stir ourselves up? Paul said to Timothy, he said, Timothy, let nobody despise your youth, preach the word, and do the work of an evangelism. How many, when you hear the word evangelism, it just sounds like work? Hey, wait a minute. So to event, and literally to evangelize people, to reach somebody, it's going to take work. It's going to take expended effort for that to happen. And so many times that's something we don't naturally come by, so to stir ourselves up to do that. And so as I read these verses, they jumped out at me, and then the Lord helped me put this message together. Verse, Mark, in your outline there, Mark chapter 1, verse 32 through 34. It says that evening when the sun had set, they brought to him. Everybody say, they brought to him. Look at that. They brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Now look at Mark chapter 2, and if you have your Bible, I'm going to read a couple more verses. You could turn there, and the first two verses are in your, <coughs> excuse me, in your outline. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Everybody say, he was in the house. So here, they, they heard about him, they brought people to him, and then when they heard that Jesus was in the house at Capernaum, Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. If you look at, excuse me, at verse 3 in your Bible, and it says, Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken through, somebody say broken through. And when they had broken through, they let down on the bed, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, somebody say their faith. Not the faith of the man. That guy just knew he was being dragged to church and didn't know why. <laughs> Where are we going? Oh, it'll be fun. You'll enjoy it. Amen. So he was along for the ride. So when the Lord saw their faith, Breaking through on his behalf, look what he said. He said, your sins are forgiven you. And we know the rest of the story. People begin to bicker about who can forgive sins. And he says, so that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Amen. So think about this. Look inside your outline. I want you to think about these three areas here this morning in connection with those verses that we just read. First of all, we said that they brought to him. We read, when they heard that Jesus was there, they brought to him. They brought people to him. Or people were engaged bringing people to where Jesus was. People were engaged in bringing people to receive the answer that they need. How many in this room this morning would say, you know somebody, you could think of somebody this very moment that needs an answer from God? Amen. So that's somebody in your sphere of influence, your sphere of acquaintance that you know that needs something from the Lord. What they need is a friend who will bring them to where he is or bring them to their answer or bring, be their answer to them. What that means is we must be engaged with people. We must be engaged. 
And in order to do that, sometimes we have to move beyond what we desire God to do for us. Many times our prayer life is centered around what we want God to do for us. We have our needs. Our prayer list is usually connected to our emotions. People that we are related to, connected to, emotionally connected to, somehow have a personal tie with, and we want God to move in our personal business. And then we expend all of our energy on God moving on what we desire Him to do in our lives for us. But many times what God asks us to reach is not those that we are emotionally connected to. When Jesus called his disciples, he walked up to them and he said, come on, follow me. And they forsook everything and followed him. And they left behind their families, they left behind their jobs, they left behind everything that they were connected to in order to follow him and be obedient to the call. And they had to trust him that if they would leave that behind and be obedient to him, that he would make sure that was taken care of. Are you with me? And so when it comes to engaging with people, we have to mature to the place that we are able to get beyond our personal desire prayer list. Our personal request, our personal outreach, the ones we want God to move, the ones that we're so emotionally connected with, and get involved with the harvest that is actually assigned to our life. Are you with me? There, there's a harvest assigned to every one of our lives, and we have to engage with that harvest, believing that he will take care of my needs over here. That's why Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom, and then all these things that we're concerned about will be added unto us. And that's the principle. So engagement means moving beyond. How do you end up with campus clubs? How do you end up with doing that? How are campus clubs happening? Because there's young people there. Those are lives being sold and invested into others to reach people on their campus. Amen? So they're sowing. Those young people are sowing into that area. Not just for our personal desire, but for everyone. And then it says that it was heard that he was in the house in Mark chapter 2. And I want you to get this this morning. We must fight to have the presence of the Lord in our church. It is a fight to have the presence of God in our church. It is important that Jesus is known in the church. It is important that you be known as that church. I want to be known as that house, as that church. That's that place where they pray for the sick. That's that place where people get delivered. That's that place where bondages and addictions get broken. That's that place. They believe Jesus shows up, and they believe that he still does miracles. Amen. But you have to fight for the presence of God, because the presence of God doesn't come just because we have a good band. That's not the presence of God. I mean, no, don't misunderstand. They usher it in, and we use that worship and music as a part of it. But my Bible says that you have been made kings and priests unto your God. And God ordained that the anointed would be carried upon the shoulders of the priest. And so it's up to you and I to say, hey, I'm going to church today, but I'm not going empty-handed. I'm bringing the anointing of God with me. And when I walk in, I'm bringing the presence of God. I'm not going to wait for a song to get me in the mood. I'm going to fight for the presence of God in my church. I want it to be known that Jesus is in this house. Amen. But we must have his presence and we have to fight to have it. Then it says they uncovered the roof. Or in other words, they broke through. 
That means we have to remove barrier. In order to reach people and engage people, there are some barriers that you have to break through. Sometimes it's just a barrier, just a barrier getting past your personal desire prayers. That's a barrier for many people to get involved. We're so caught up. And I always ask people, for all your caught upness, for all your emotionness, how's it going? Are they saved yet? Is it changing? All right. And a hush came over the crowd. <laughs> Years ago when I was running from the Lord, my grandma and my grandpa, grandpa and grandma Byram, pastored for 56 years. And when I was 23, mom was praying for me. And grandma just told her, she said, honey, you need to commit him to the Lord. You need to commit him to the Lord and let God take care of it. And you begin to thank him for what he's doing in his life. You begin to thank God for what he's doing in his life. Amen. Two years later, I got saved. So she went from 23 years of fighting to two years to an answer. Do you understand what I'm saying? So on, on your personal needs, those are things that you commit to the Lord. Father, I give this to you. I roll the weight of this care. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. I believe you care for me. I give my family over to you. I give my loved ones over to you. I give my resources over to you. I give every need in my life over to you. My God shall supply all my need, which covers everything. So I let you be in the supply business. I'll be over here in the reach business. I'll be over here in doing what you call me to do. And you'll be amazed when you turn over the care business to God, you'll be amazed at how he turns over his provision in your life. When you don't have to worry about it. Because after you worry about it, after you have anxiety about it, it doesn't change any of it. You just get frustrated. You get depressed. You get discouraged. You don't feel like praying because you don't feel like your prayers are being answered. But that's not your field of harvest. That's not your assignment. Are you with me? There, there, there's a harvest on the inside of you, but that's not your. And so you have to trust God to bring that. My job is to raise my kids to know the truth, to understand the truth, and then it's up for them to choose to live the truth. And I believe in God to bring people across their path and work in their life. And God is faithful to His Word. He is faithful to watch over His Word, to perform it on your behalf. And mine. See, our goal is to get people to him, to remove the barriers to his presence, and to break through on their behalf. And sometimes that's the first place of breakthrough is breaking through the hindrances that are keeping us from engaging with the harvest. Amen. So look at this next verse. Mark chapter 6. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him and ran through the whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. And whenever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplace, and get this, and begged him that they might just touch the hem of what? his garment, and as many as touched him were made whole. I wonder where they got the faith to seek to touch the hem of his garment. Because if you go back one chapter, you end up with what Sean referenced this morning in the offering, is that the woman who had spent all of her money on doctors and didn't get better but grew worse, 
pressed through to get her answer and she touched the hem of his garment and the testimony began to go out about the woman who had just touched the hem of his garment and received an answer. So now multitudes have the faith now that if they can just get to where he is and if they could just get in and just touch the hem of his garment, they too would be made whole. And I'm telling you this morning that if you and I will engage with people, if we will fight for his presence, and if we will break through the barriers, faith will arise in people to receive a touch from God, and we'll see answers, and we'll see breakthroughs coming to pass, and faith arising in people for miracles. Could anybody say amen? Amen. Think about it this morning. We must be driven with the desire to see as many as as we can touch him and be made whole or made well. There has to be something in you and me that our desire is to see as many as we can. I want to see as many as I can touch Jesus. I want to help as many as I can. My life, I want it to be spent helping as many as I can to find their way to touch him. Think about it. My joy, my greatest delight in life is not in what I receive from the Lord personally. It is not in anything I own or have been able to do. I have been blessed. I have toys. I have things. But I have no real joy, no substance of joy in any of them. What I have substance in is what I get to see God do in your life and watch what he does. And to think about it that somehow what God is doing in your life is connected to my yes to him. That gives me joy. That makes it worth it all. When I go back and I, I, I see the young people that we had in Bieber there and the group of girls that we had, we called them the God Squad because they would come and pray for their school early in the morning and want God to move in their school. And now I see them married and I see their lives going on. I see them serving the Lord. And now they're kids. And I'm like, I'm hecka old. And, and, <laughs> and this stuff going on. But yet God is still moving in their life. John said it like this. I have no greater joy than to hear that you're walking in the truth. Hear me this morning. My greatest joy comes in allowing Him to use my life and my resources so that others might touch Him and be made whole. Hear me, personal joy and desire can never be satisfied in ourselves. Personal joy and desire will never be satisfied with you trying to satisfy your own life. Never going to happen. The richest people in the world can't satisfy themselves. They're never satisfied. After my, I said in first service, you watch people, they get a lot of money, and then after they get all set, then they just start collecting stuff. They become, you know, uh, what's the guy, the, the old Tonight Show guy. I can't think of his name right now. Anyway, that's how important he is in my mind. Jay Leno, there you go. But he has all these collector cars. So one of these days he's going to die, going to give it all to his kids. They're going to sell all his cars. Because the cars don't mean anything to his kids. I don't know, but it's, he's, he's being personally sad, but he's not enough because he doesn't have enough cards yet. You've got to build a bigger warehouse, bigger thing, bigger that. Because you can never satisfy yourself and your desire within yourself personally. Regardless of wealth or possession, I have found it can only come through seeing others receive their answer from the Lord and from allowing my life to be spent for his glory in doing so. The greatest joy is spending your life Paul said it like this, my life has been poured out as a drink offering. That I've spent myself, I've poured myself out. Jesus came to give his life for you and I. And that's the greatest way to do it. Think about it. 
Our lives are seeds made to be sown into the soil of his kingdom to produce a harvest that he ordained for our life. Hear me again. Our lives are seed. Your life is a seed to be sown into the kingdom. People say, what does it mean to be born again? Is that you take your life and you choose to sow it into the soil of God's kingdom. And then the seed of your life planted there. Your old man dies. And if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. All things grow up. New. So the old man dies, the new man rises up in resurrection, new life, with a new identity, a new life, a new mind, a new heart, a new spirit. Can you say amen? And so, but, but in there, but if we just pray a little prayer and we don't die to ourselves, then we get a mental salvation, we get a mental ascension of faith, and then we try to live for God and add Him to our old life, and it doesn't work. So the next thing you know, we're back going to the same old stuff. Amen. You got a pain and you won't get the root canal. You don't want to be recalibrated. You don't want to be made new. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Watch it. So think about it. There's nothing you can add to or attach to a seed to make it a better seed. I was going to do a little illustration. I didn't have time to get a bunch of seeds and put them in some bling and a little hat, little shoes and kicks and stuff. Get some little cars for them to drive around and stuff. But I didn't. There's nothing you can add or attach to a seed to make it a better seed. Seed can only be fully satisfied by being sown, planted, dying to self, and living for the harvest it contains on the inside. The only way a seed can be fulfilled is to be planted, to be sown, and then to release the harvest that it contains on the inside. Christianity is sowing your life into the soil of God's kingdom, knowing that He has ordained a harvest for your life. This is not a competition. This is not a comparison. I planted rows of seed. I've never seen one looking at another. How are you doing? What are you doing for the Lord? I've never seen other seeds checking other seeds out, worried about how they stack up against another seed. They're just sitting in the bag saying, give me some dirt. Find me some dirt. Give me some water. I sense there's something on the inside of me that wants to come out. And unless I can get in some dirt, unless I can be watered and planted, it'll never come out of me. My God, get me in some dirt. Amen. So think about it. There's nothing you can do. True satisfaction in life comes through experiencing the transformation of harvest. The transformation of harvest. When you're sown, the seed is transformed and harvest begins to grow out of it. Think about it. So I was trying to figure out how to do this. So I went online and I googled animated seed. So here we have Mr. Seed. Mr. Seed. Mr. Seed's cool. He's got a refreshing drink. You can tell he has air conditioning on this hot day because he's not fanning himself like you. Ours is trying to keep up with you and the outside temperature. He's got a cool seed crib. That's a cool house. Mr. Seed has an awesome house. Married to a hot chick. Mrs. Seed, she loves to shop. Amen. I can identify. <laughs> 
Amen? And they have some other beautiful rooms in the house. They have a beautiful sitting room and reading room in their house. Awesome stuff. Have pictures of all the things that Seed could be. They have this great loving room, uh, a living room there and dining room and uh, Seed gathering room. <laughs> Where all the Seeds come together and be Seeds together. Amen. And Mr. Seed believes in being in good shape, being healthy. Everybody wants to be healthy. Amen. Everybody wants to live long, especially today. We'll do anything we can to be healthy. So we join the Lord's gym. Amen. We come out of the locker room looking buff and rough and tough. Amen. And finally, we just turn out to be a cool seed. Problem is, he's still a seed. And he wasn't meant to be cool. Wasn't meant to be housed in a cool crib. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I love our house. I love our home. I love everything the Lord blessed my life with. But that's not my identity. That's not my identity. I understand I'm a seed to be sown. And in doing that, I, I love that we have reliable transportation. I love everything about our life. I love the good things that we have in our life. That's natural. That's good. And everybody, that's the goodness of God. God wants his people blessed, but never at the place where we're so chasing the blessing that we never allow ourselves to be sown. And we never release the harvest that's in our life. Are you listening to me? Your life has to be sown, and all those things have to be secondary to being sown. But I find that here's the secret. That when you sow, you never lose you never lose by sowing. Watch. Think about it. Seeds can only come through sowing. Seeds are for sowing. That's what seeds are for. Seeds are for sowing. That's what they're for. God gave you your life in seed form. So you could make the choice to sow it into his kingdom. And not only is there a harvest of souls connected to your life, there is a harvest of the provision to make sowing possible. Do you understand what I'm saying? God needs you provided for. He takes care of you. He provides for every need so you can give yourself to the sowing. You can give yourself to the harvest because when you plant the seed it goes through the transformation the old man you see begins to fall off and the new begins to grow up and when that seed grows up it's not no seed ever comes back in singular form it always comes back in multiplied form and in harvest. And when that seed grows up and that grain is on there, there are thousands of more stalks in each one of those seeds. Are you listening to me? It's, it's the law of seed, time, and harvest and multiplication. But in order for us, to part of the recalibration and the change, that individually we've got to recalibrate. Say, Lord, how do I, I have to be reaching people. How do I do that? Well, I have to engage with them. I have to desire the, the presence of God in my life and, and in the house where I worship and then I got to be willing to break through barriers in order to reach out to people think about it when we understand that God needs people to work with him and for him so that he can touch people through us it changes the whole perspective on Christianity and our purpose in life amen
Everybody say, well, I just wish I knew what my purpose is. Everybody look up here. God has a purpose for you. It is called harvest. God has a purpose. Every seed, if this Tic Tac was a seed, then it would be have a harvest assigned on the inside of it. It doesn't matter what it tries to recreate itself into being. You can't look at somebody else's harvest and think, oh man, that's an amazing harvest they had for their life. I I want my harvest to be like their harvest. I I I want my purpose to be like their purpose. I I I identify with that. I want that in my life. It doesn't matter what they have. It's not a comparison and it's not a competition. It is a purpose that is assigned to your life. And and when God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you, I knew you, and I appointed you to be, ordained you to be a prophet. Paul said, I, Paul, called to be an apostle from my mother's room. One called to be a prophet. One called to be an apostle. One called early. One called after a late and, and a conflict and battle with God. Different times, different seasons, different purpose. One sent to the Gentile. One sent to his own people. Are you listening to me? so important. What matters is, is that God created you and he ordained you a harvest. And the thing we forget is that every soul connected to your life is a soul that God wants redeemed from the destruction of hell. And every life saved is a life that will not spend eternity in torment. Every time I see disasters and things happening, I think about the suddenlies that happen because with every disaster comes sudden death. And lives lost. And the question is, immediately, I wonder where they will spend eternity. And I wonder if there's anybody right now feeling a heaviness on their heart because there was somebody that they knew that God was calling them to reach out to. And they held back. And now they know that that person either is or is not right with God. They know the spiritual state of that person. And the Holy Spirit was trying to move them to speak to their life, to get them to sow themselves, to engage with them to bring them into the presence of God to break through the barriers to get their answer but for some reason they held back and now they have a heaviness on their heart because they know the eternal state of that person and we forget that the Bible says that you and I will stand and give an account before God for the works done in this body and that sounds kind of general when you think about that and we try to find well what are those works going to be Well, I do this or I do that. I submit to you there's only one work that God can hold a man accountable to, and that is the harvest that he put inside of you as a seed. He can't hold you accountable for doing what somebody else is not doing or somebody else was ordained to do. He created you with specific purpose and design. He made you a seed, and there's an assignment on the inside of you, and that assignment is connected to souls that God wants to redeem out of the kingdom of darkness into his eternal kingdom. Could you say amen? That's the call of God upon our life. And your purpose and my purpose are two different things. That's why no matter where I go, I stand shoulder to shoulder with anybody. Because I'm not competing with how big my church is. I'm not competing on how successful I am in doing that. I'm just trying to be obedient. I'm just trying to sow my life in obedience to God. And somehow touch one more person. Help one more person get delivered from drugs. Help one more person get set free. Help one more marriage be healed. Help one more healing come to pass one more soul be saved somebody to get an answer get somebody down the roof into the presence of God that's our call that's the only God's not going to go well you didn't do as much as that guy it's nowhere in the Bible nowhere in the word of God are you compared 
The guy with the five talents and the two talents and the one talent, they were just asked to use what was put in their hand to multiply the purpose that God put in their, in their possession. Are you listening to me? That's it. And I found out like this, guys with the five talents won't go where the one talent guy would go. There's not enough multiplication there. Guys with the two won't go where their five is. Too much of a challenge. They won't go where one with because they're believing for a little more. There's difference. That's all right. That's the purpose. Because God needs you in every nook and cranny of life. You know, it says in Philippians that God's not willing, to, I mean in Peter, said God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Uh, this is my personal interpretation of that. I'm not trying to establish theology but many people wonder, John's coming going to teach on end times. This is what I think. I think that there's a portion of that all, when's the Lord going to return? That when a portion of that all is fulfilled. That none should perish, but all should come to repentance. So you never know, the next person you read might be all. And then, okay, that's all. That's all. See, there, there, God says things in generality because he said as soon as 1,250 people get saved, we'd quit. If, if, if we knew exact, we'd give up. We're, we're there because we're supposed to be about our Father's business. We're supposed to keep going because we never know when. Nobody knows the day or the hour. We're just supposed to occupy until. And keep sowing, keep giving, keep investing. If the worship team will come back, please. So what do we do? We begin to look for opportunities to sow our lives into the lives of others. We engage with people so we can bring them to Him. The purpose of engaging with people is to bring them to Him. We have to hunger and thirst for His presence because we know no program can replace what just one moment in His presence can do. One moment in the presence of God can change your life forever. And we intentionally break through barriers so that we can get them to Him. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, But some will say, How are the dead raised from the dead? And with what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be but a mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain, but God gives it a body as He pleases. And to each seed, its own body. Hear that. To each seed, its own body. So I don't set the assignment of my harvest. God has set it on the inside of me. You and I. That's why I said earlier. If, if, if I set my harvest of what I want to see God to do through my prayer life, through my emotional prayer list, through my personal desires, my personal connection and all that, that's fine. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Do not take it out of contact. Pray for everybody you're connected to, but bless God. Commit them to the Lord. Begin to thank God for what He's doing. Believe that He hears and answers your prayers. Don't keep up. Are you going to do that yet? Are you going to do that yet? When are you going to do that? When do I get my answer? When do I get my answer? When do I get my answer? When are you going to do that? How many would slap that kid besides me? We'll edit that later. I bet. But anyway, we, that, that drive you crazy. When are you going to do God, when are you going to answer God? When are you going to do God, when are you going to do 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 When do I get? When do I get? When do I get? Move for me. Move for me. Answer my prayer. Answer my prayer. Answer my prayer. He said, go touch that person and tell them I love them. Are you with me? 
It's got to, so I, I don't get to assign that. He has given my seed an assignment. And I want to live to see that. See, there's a variety in seed that requires different climate soil. And they can produce at different times and seasons. There's summer crops, winter crops, spring crops, things you produce all different times. You can have crops coming all around the year because of the different kinds of seed. Some grow and produce underground. Others grow above ground and everything from small plants to giant tree. The variety is beyond comprehension, yet they all contain a harvest of increase on the inside of them. Look up here. So do you. You contain a harvest of increase on the inside of you. And if God can get you to sow your life into the soil of his kingdom, if he can move on your heart, God, there's just somebody, show me who to engage with. Lord, show me who you want me to bring into your presence. God, show me how to break through the barriers and who to read. God, that somebody might get an answer, that somebody that you connected to my life might receive their answer. I'm telling you, God can do great things when we begin to seek him in that manner. Could you say amen? Think about it. God is always after the harvest that he placed inside of you. Next time you say, what's my purpose? Hear this message. It's the harvest that he placed inside of you. Somebody's eternity is connected to your life. Think about it. When Cornelius has his whole house together and he wants him to be saved, an angel of the Lord peers to him and said, hey, send down to to, to Joppa for Simon and and bring Peter here and he'll be a man who will tell you words whereby you must be saved. God has always come to people through people and he wants to come to people through your life. When you say yes, it is amazing what God will do. There's people he wants to go to through your life. So our question is, who is connected to the harvest on the inside of you? Bow your heads with me this morning. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, today I give you my life. No reserve, no regrets, no retreat. Today I give you everything. My life. I choose to sow the seed of my life into the soil of your kingdom. I believe You have a harvest that you desire to produce through my life. I accept your love. I accept your forgiveness. I accept the blood that cleanses me, washes me, makes me new. In Jesus' name. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for being my healer. Thank you for being my provider. Now send me to the harvest in Jesus name amen hallelujah think about it I challenge you become engaged with those around you become engaged with those around you desire his presence to be known in your house and in your house of worship desire that when people come to visit you at your house they sense his presence that the anointing of God would abide on you and with you and where you are and then move to break through the barriers that keep people from his presence we put that last slide up please David very last one on the harvest I believe this is what heaven is saying help wanted the harvest is great help wanted the harvest is great 
There's help. God needs help. But God's sovereign. He can do anything. Yes, He can through your life. Help is wanted in the kingdom. There's somebody. My heart is my desire. I'm believing for us to be a church where every service somebody's coming to the Lord. We're recalibrating. How many are with me? Wouldn't it be awesome? Every service somebody comes to Christ. Every service somebody gets a miracle. I said, let's be that house that has crutches on the wall, that has wheelchairs up on the rafters. Let's, let's be that house that has a testimony. Let's, let's be that house. But, but, but it doesn't come unless we sow to see it happen. It doesn't come by accident. It takes purpose. So maybe this morning, maybe that's just you. Maybe you prayed that prayer for the first time. People say, well, how long do I have to be saved before God can use me? Go ask the man from the tombs of Gadara. One day, demon-possessed, running around naked in the tombs, scaring everybody. Next moment, the Lord's sending him out to evangelize. He just says, hey, go home and tell everybody what great things God has done for you. Don't buy the lie you have to Just begin bragging on God. How, how do I engage with people? Tell somebody what God did for you. Tell somebody what He's doing in your life. Even if you just have to tell them how good He is. Just like I said, man, I'm saved. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm on my way to heaven. How's your day going? Amen. Just tell somebody how good God is. Brag on God. And then ask them if you can pray for them. It's so easy. It is so easy. It is not hard. Don't believe the lie of the devil. It's not hard to win people to Christ. It's just hard to get your desires answered. There's people all every day all around. Listen, the book of Acts said the Lord was adding to the church daily. Such as should be saved. Go after the such as should be's. Are you listening? The Lord has people all around us every day that are ready, that the Holy Spirit has already prepared their heart to receive. And all we have to do is be sown to engage with them. Stand with me this morning. Come on, I'm pressing like never before in this area. I believe it's just time. Amen. I don't know how to say it any other way. I've been pastoring this church for 28 years. I'm ready for a change. Anybody ready for a change? I'm ready for a change. I don't want to show up next week, do the same thing, go through that. Come on. I want to keep pressing. I want to fight. It'll make all of us uncomfortable. I'm totally uncomfortable. That's all right. It means if I'm, I'm changing, I'm moving in some direction, we're moving forward. I, come on. It's going to take something our part, and it's going to take the process of renewal, transforming our mind. But if you're ready today, and, and in Genesis chapter 12, it said of Abraham that the Lord spoke to him, and then he went out and he built an altar, and the altar wasn't to repent it was to call upon the name of the Lord and if you're ready to call upon the name of the Lord if you're ready to engage if you're ready to desire his presence and you're ready to remove barrier then get out of where you are right now we're going to pray together we're going to call upon the name of the Lord come to this altar right now come on let's press in let's ask God to do something in us let's seek to be recalibrated in our hearts and in our spirit let's say God change me that I would be do the work in Evangel get me out of my desires get me out of my comfort zone come on if that's you press in right now